The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know the deal, friends. It's Friday on Fantasy NBA Today. It's week in review time. Ads, drops, watch list, guys. Streamers, buy lows, sell highs. You know the deal. We go through the week gone by and find you all of the biggest and most important names you need to be taking stock of from week five. Then, although that is the large chunk of the show, then we will preview the Friday night card for those of you who like to bet. And we try to do that pretty quickly because this really is... Friday is a fantasy Friday. We really don't get too much into the sports betting side. And then we'll take a look at each team's next game, meaning that could be Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Many of them are tonight. I think we got, what, is it a 9-10 game card, 10 game card night on Friday? So that'll knock out 20 of the 30 teams. We'll preview each of the 30 teams' next ball game. That'll get us all ready for our Monday reverse chronological round when we look back on what happened. This is how we get ourselves ready to make moves over the weekend. We want to know what we're watching for. Here's why. Not just so that we can stay up to date and win our fantasy leagues, because winning is great, but winning efficiently is our main purpose. This is like our, this is our move to get our field goal percent up. That's my tying it in, my fantasy metaphor here. The reason I say it is, I understand how schedules change on weekends. So I don't do a podcast on the weekend. There just isn't time. When I used to host a sports betting podcast, 2009, 10, and 11, back when podcasts were barely a thing, I started out doing seven shows a week. And it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. I couldn't do it. Finally, I just said, look, I got to go Monday to Friday. We got to just do a weekend show. That'll cover a few days, and that's kind of what I'm doing now with this fantasy stuff. But the reason for that is that weekends are just different. During the week, we wake up, we go to work. You know, you've got your schedule, you've got your routine, you have your work day, you get home, you do your dinner, blah, 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 all that good stuff. It falls into a neat little package. On weekends, it's harder to keep track of everything that's going on in the sports world. It just is. If you have your college football teams, you know, during college football season or NFL teams, you, you sort of lock in on those two things. And then with the NBA generally running at the same time as some of that stuff, it, it becomes even harder. Now, this weekend doesn't happen to have any football Super Bowls a week away, so that's not a problem right now. But that is really more of a hypothetical and not a hypothetical because it, it happens a lot where uh, during the week, many of us, the vast majority at the end of a work day, kind of go home dinner if there's a family around you do dinner with the family you've got your your teams you follow you get them on on the tv whenever weekend games just sort of flow by so the reason we do this weekend preview isn't just to be good at fantasy sports it's to to know where we need to focus our more limited weekend resources so we preview all these games such that when saturday night rolls around you're like crap i got you know 12 minutes to, to race in and look at some box scores. Here's the three games that we agreed upon on the podcast. These are the three games that I really wanted to make sure I checked out. Is there someone on these teams? So that's why the weekend preview to me is so important because resources are more limited for us on the weekend. 
Now I say to you, hello, good Friday to you, a happy Friday to you. I'm your host, Dan Bespers, and this is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Hoop ball, hoop-ball.com is the website. Hoopball Fantasy is their Twitter feed. And because this is such an in-depth show, and I really don't want to break things up too much in the middle, I will humbly request of you here at the front end of the podcast... Not just to follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I will be reminding you of that throughout the show because it is of critical importance. It's a positive feedback loop thing that happens here, and you guys are just going to have to trust me on that. But also, to those of you that have been listening for a while, and I usually do this at the end of the podcast, so some of you might not even be paying attention to that point, please, please take 90 seconds right now and go drop a five-star review on the show. I, I need them. I'm. What do the kids say? I am thirsty right now. I need it from you guys. I need this help. I don't need you to buy anything today. I don't need you to... I, I mean, I'd love it if you guys went to mybookie.ag and opened up an account with promo code HOOPBALL, but I'm not even asking you guys to make a deposit in that today. What I need from you are these reviews. This is of critical importance right now. It's how we grow the podcast. It's how we move up the board. Subscribers and reviews. So please be both of those things for me. I will love you forever. You heard it right. The ends of time. So I come to you on bended knee. Go to the podcast app on your mobile device or in iTunes. Go to the podcast tab. Kind of takes you to the same spot. Use the search bar. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. I know you're listening to it already, but it's very hard to find the review page once you're listening to an episode. So you got to do it this way. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title not the name of an episode, and scroll down on your phone. If you're on iTunes, just click on the Rate and Review tab. Please, 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 five-star review. Again, five-star review, love you forever. That's the chronology of how this works. Let's dive in. We got a lot of things to cover, and I wanted to try to knock out the promo here at the front end. I know you guys are going to hog tie me for it, but I felt it was of importance today. It It meant a lot to me today. To get that out of the way. Ads from a week gone by. Let's start with the ads. These are everybody's favorite part. Carmelo Anthony. I had to do that one first. Again, these are generally in no particular order, but I went mellow first because even in what will likely be his worst game with Rocco, CJ McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic all out, even in his worst game, he played 38 minutes against the Houston Rockets. I guess the worst game would be if they got blown out and he played 23 minutes, but he played 38 minutes in this game, took 15 shots, only, sadly, hit three of them, which is a very large buzzkill. But other than that, nine rebounds and assists, two steals and one block. He's somehow finding his way into steals and blocks right now, which is particularly odd, given that that's kind of never really been his fantasy profile. However, I'm willing to accept that in a more limited sample size this year, those numbers could actually be a little bit better. Over his career, he's averaged about one steal and half a block in 31 minutes of ball game. This year, he's at 0.9 steals and seven blocks in 26 minutes per ball game. So that is a higher clip than usual. But again, in in short spurts, it's not impossible. Uh, l- super late in someone's career is not usually when they make a massive defensive statistical jump. But if you look at some of the years in Melo's prime, there were 
a couple times, not not often, but a couple times that he was able to sort of pair those up for about 1.9 defensive stats in full starters minutes. So I guess it's conceivable. And right now he's just sort of blocking more shots than usual. And, you know, maybe it's because he's playing almost exclusively power forward with maybe even a couple of center minutes mixed in. Regardless, he's at 39% shooting this year. That's a number that will likely trend up. He shot 43% last year, so we'll probably get somewhere near that number. His number of three-pointers is not particularly far off of his normal pace. He's shooting about the same from three. He's missing his twos, getting to the free-throw line. He rebounds when he's out there because he's a pretty big dude. Um, Not going to pass very much. I think we can accept that. But Carmelo Anthony, yep. Apparently, here we are in uh, a time warp. The year 2021 is actually the year 2014, and Melo is useful in fantasy right now. I mean, he could legitimately average 17 or 18 points over this run. That's not easy to find. He could be like a 17 and 6 guy with a steal and a block if that keeps up. A couple of three-pointers? Hell yeah, you take that. I'm trying to think of the best annual comparison for Melo in this. It's probably... Ah, it's probably the Oklahoma City year, if I'm getting that right. Where was he? He was at 16-6, and six, but he shot 40%, and his defensive stats were actually down, and his free-throw shooting was weirdly down that year. So maybe that's not the best example, because he was in the 120 range, largely because of those uh, kind of outliery things. Like, 77% is way below his career average in free-throw shooting, and that is by a, a pretty significant number. And he played 78 games that year. There was just something something weird going on. Mentally, he was dealing with a hurdle to climb, it would seem. I don't think you can go back to any of his New York years because he just had so much usage then that he still won't get even now with everybody else out on this team. But it's going to be a lot of shots. It's going to be probably 15 shots a game. So assume... He's going to be in the 16 to 18 point range. And he's going to help you in threes, free throws, probably rebounds. And there's a weird thing going on right now where he's actually getting some defensive stats. But let's move on. I don't want to spend the whole show talking about Mello. We'll be here all night. Uh, Ennis Cantor is an obvious one. We don't need to spend much time on that. He's just locked in here with Nurk out. And there's nobody coming from it. I wanted to drop in a repeat from last week, and that is the mighty Wayne Ellington who came off another absurd three-point shooting game on Thursday when he had 20 points and six more three-pointers. I think, I think, and you guys can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we were basically the first and maybe only people on the internet to do a Wayne Ellington segment last Friday. I think I talked about him briefly on the show even on Thursday or Wednesday of last week uh, after he had... He had that seven three-pointer game in Miami, and everybody was like, eh, Wayne Ellington, blip. And then he played 33 minutes and had four more against Atlanta. It was like, look, this dude, they wanted this dude playing right now. And since that, by the way, since that run in Miami on January the 18th, seven threes, four, six, four, six, four. That is freaking nuts. That's 11, 10, 10, six. In how many games? Seven games? What does that come out to? 17, 21, 27, 31, 37 threes 
in seven games. Holy moly. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, it's, okay, so it's not sustainable, right? Because he's shooting 58% from the field. So that will come down. Five three-pointers a game. It doesn't matter if you don't do anything else. Five three-pointers a game is worthwhile. He's, bas- he's leading the NBA in that department these days. Since C.J. McCollum went down, pretty much. Top 50 over that stretch, and you just you got to ride it. And I think even when he cools off, which he inevitably will cool off at some point, and it might be ugly considering how long he's been hot here, but they love him in Detroit. Dwayne Casey loves him. He talked about his work ethic being incredible and how he's teaching the young guys. There's just there's no one coming for his minutes right now, and nor should there be because the rest of his team has issues shooting. Blake Griffin hit five three-pointers against the Lakers on Thursday. Ellington at six. The rest of the team hit three. Jeremy Grant had two of those. Points if you can name the guy on the Pistons who had the last three-pointer. It's not who you'd think. It's not Svee. It's not Derrick Rose. He doesn't take many. Not DeLon Wright. He also doesn't take many. It was Josh Jackson in his 17 minutes. He went one for six, and it happened to be a three-pointer. So, yeah, hell yeah. Wayne Ellington, that's a celebration. Uh, DeLon Wright is also on this list. He was an ad um, last week. We were uh, maybe a little bit behind on this one because he was on and off of rosters, and you guys know how much... We've talked about Delon Wright's nine-category stat set, but he was just doing nothing with his minutes until about the third week of the season, and then he had that 10-assist game, and then he followed up with a 2.2-assist, two-steal game, and I thought, all right, well, here we go again. And then in Atlanta, he went for 7-5-4 and four with three steals and a block, and it was sort of the faucet's been on since then. 18-6-2 with three defensive stats, 10-6-7 and seven with one. 28, 7, and 9 with three defensive stats, four defensive stats in the next one, 11, 4, and 7. And then this one with the Lakers was actually pretty quiet for him, and he went for 6, 8, 6, and two steals. He's locked in. He's one of the best players in fantasy over the last two weeks at number 37. And even if Killian Hayes takes some of his stuff away in two months, who cares? If you can ride a top 50 guy for two months, you do it. That's not even a stream anymore. Such a valuable Roto guy. And I'm furious that I only have him in one place at the end of all of this. I had him in like four and I gave up on him, as everybody did, after that first, you know, five or six games where he was just doing nothing. Very lucky to have gotten him back in a in one spot. That ugh. That'll kill you. You give up on somebody too early. But there wasn't really a ton of, of uh signage pointing to him suddenly getting more playing time and actually using it. I put Cam Reddish on my ads list here, and I don't know if he necessarily needs to be there because he's rostered in 46% of leagues, but I saw him dropped in a bunch of leagues that I'm in because of inconsistent play, missing ball games, dealing with a quad contusion in there. Uh, But last game out, and that was on Wednesday, he posted a 24-6 line with two steals and two three-pointers, and you just have to wonder if things are starting to click a little bit. He's shooting 37.5% on the year from the field on 11 shots a game. So he's been a, a pretty good buzzkill in that department, and he shot just 38.5% last year. So there's a lot of downside to Cam Reddish, but there's also quite a bit of upside in kind of that, well, what if, that's what we all say about Devontae Graham, well, what if a shot starts to go in 
could that be the leaping point? Because he's a very good free throw shooter, actually rebounds relatively well. He's actually a very big shooting guard, 6'8", 218. So they can play him at small forward. They could even play him at power forward if they wanted to. He's a very good rebounding shooting guard. He gets steals. You know, he's at 1.1 steals last year and a half a block. This year he's at 1.4 steals. That's a that's part of his game, it appears at this point. So there's a ton of upside there. And there's a big question mark as to whether or not he can get to it. But I'm putting him on my ad list because if it clicks, you're not going to want to miss it. Still, he's probably more towards the bottom of these names. Danilo Gallinari is on my ads list. Um, he was on my stash list relatively recently, and then people were like, oh, he's been awful since he's come back. And you're right. Not arguing with you on that point. He's played 15 minutes and then 19 minutes, and then he played both halves of a back-to-back and played 14 minutes in each of them. But that was sort of the Hawks' way of saying, look, this dude is just barely healthy enough to play in this back-to-back. So we're going to get him in there, and it's all about conditioning. Now they had a day off on Thursday, come back in Washington tonight, and then they have two days off, I think. Yeah, 30th and 31st before they take on the Lakers at home. That'll be uh, a pretty big one. Boy, this Washington game is more and more looking like a sandwich game for Atlanta. I'm very curious. I think Gallo gets up around 20 minutes in this game. Not enough to start him in a games cap or, frankly, even any kind of weekly format. But you're now talking about a guy who, when there's a day off between games, they're going to very slowly increase his playing time. Cubs, offensively, he's very good. Um, You know, they signed him. They gave him a bunch of money, so they're going to play him. I I would expect his minutes to trend up into the mid to high 20s at some point. At that point, you dump him in because he's so incredible at the free throw line. He makes so much hay there. And, uh, you know, right now, 15 minutes a game, he's 2.8 out of 2.8 at the foul line and only 15 minutes a ball game. Massive, massive plus in that category. So keep him. I don't know if I have to put him a hold or add or whatever. People are giving up so fast on this whole thing. And Jared Vanderbilt is my last ad of the week because he's a zero downside ad. And what I mean by that, and I talked about this a little bit uh, with Bogman and Jonas on our Thursday podcast, the real big three on the In This League Network, is... And, and Jonas brought him up, by the way, kudos to Mr. Nader for uh, putting him on our list of topics, and he's very right in that Vanderbilt is built for fantasy success. He's Vanderbilt for fantasy success. Oh, God, I'll see myself out. But, I mean, but what I mean by a no, you know, there, there's a no, um, no risk proposition here with him because Cat is out, so you can stream Vanderbilt happily and then you can just keep him after the stream is over. Why is that a, a risk-free proposition? Well, if Cat comes back and Vanderbilt's minutes trend back from the mid-20s to 17, you cast him into the ocean. Fine. No big deal, right? No big deal. No harm done. But what if? What if he's actually part of the plan? For Minnesota. And by the way, he doesn't need usage. He doesn't get usage, so it's a good thing he doesn't need it. He's averaging only six and a half shots in 24 minutes on the floor right now. That is a very replicatable pace 
regardless of who he's playing on the floor with. Meaning, we don't need him taking shots. You know, 16 and 11 was fun in that one game against New Orleans, but eight points is sufficient for Vanderbilt. We only need him taking five shots, six shots a game to get to fantasy value because he's going to be out there grabbing. Well, if he's, let's say he's still playing 24 minutes, he's going to be grabbing, I don't know, six and a half, seven rebounds somewhere in that neck of the woods. Two assists, he actually passes quite well uh, for his position. We've seen that lately. And his defensive stats are insane. So right now, he looks like a passing iteration of Nerland's Noel, who's seeing more playing time than Nerland's Noel. Jared Vanderbilt, I would call a must-add player. And then you just sort of ride it out. See where it goes from that point. Okay? If he vanishes, you cut him loose. But there's no risk here. Of these ads, obviously Ennis Cantor is the safest one. And then the next tier down would most likely be Delon Wright. And I would even put Gallo in that tier as well. I think he'll ramp up here in the next three to four Hawks games. Give him four more Hawks games. I bet he's in pretty damn good shape by that point. So basically another week. Mello, you're into more of a streaming department. Vanderbilt, you're into a, a little bit more question mark stuff. Um, you know, you can put Ellington slightly above those guys because his role is fairly well locked in these days. So Ellington is kind of your next tier down. Uh, Mellow, Vanderbilt, that's the next tier. And then Reddish, to me, is kind of the last tier of these ads. Drops. And you guys might disagree with me on this one, but I've been talking about it on the podcast a little bit. Um, I have Mason Plumley in my drops. I know he actually had a really good game against the Lakers with 17, 10, and 2 and a block. And seven out of eight shooting and three for three at the free throw line. But it's been it's been weeks really since he's had any kind of half decent ball game like this. Meaning he's been trending down hard. He's now had three pretty good ball games in a row. Embiid, Drummond, and the Lakers, uh well, Anthony Davis rested in this one. So you, you would have thought he they would have needed him to go a little bit bigger in that. Is he, is he coming back a little? I guess there's a possibility. But even over the last week, even while his numbers have looked a little bit better, his turnovers have been ungodly. He has not had defensive stats. He has two blocks in his last three games, and that's it. The assists aren't nearly high enough to warrant the four and a half turnovers a game he's been sitting on, although the goose egg here against the Lakers was a better one. So um, he's in my drop book, and I don't I don't feel all that bad about it. I know, uh, you know, teams. some teams need centers. I have a team that desperately needs to get a center in there, and, you know, he's on the wire in that league, but that's the only spot I'm considering him even a little bit. Otherwise, feh. Feh, I say. Feh, he's a drop. Bobby Portis is a drop. Do I need to even go into an explanation on this one? We knew he was going to vanish. It was only a matter of time. He's been trending down. He's now outside the top 120, and he's on not on his way back up. Easy one. All Nuggets, not named Porter Jr., Murray, or Jokic, are drops right now. I really would love to see Jamichael Green step into a slightly larger playing time role, but it's not happening. It's, it's just not. Um, 
Wait, I think I had Plumley's number wrong on something. Where is he now? He's number 119. Okay, so whatever. I was relatively close. Um, and then Portis, what was his number? Oh, you know what? He's still hanging out just inside the top 100, but that's that. That's about done. That's that's because of a really good start to the year. So don't don't buy what you're seeing on that one. Over the last two weeks, Bobby is number 169. Okay, so fine. We can file that one in the rear view. Um, Jamichael Green is the guy that I'm I'm hoping can do something for Denver. He's number 121 this year in only 20 minutes per game. Here's the problem, though. He's probably only getting 20 minutes per game. And that's unfortunate because he has played um, quite well in in his 20 minutes. Jermichael at 11.5 points, 6.7 rebounds, half a steal, two three-pointers uh, on the season. That's, what, top 150? Over the last two weeks, he's been he's shot the ball more poorly than that. Let's make sure I got all my stats right on this one. Uh, he had a couple of really poor shooting games. Over the last single week, Jermichael's number 71 with 12.8.6.5 rebounds. So, you know, he's not he's not far off, and he's doing it with the Nuggets largely healthy. But the minutes are just so damn inconsistent. I think they like him. I think I I think that Michael Malone is beginning to trust him more with, you know, 20, 22 minutes of ball game. And so it seems like he's nuzzling up close. Oh boy. That's a that's a tough sell though. That is a real tough sell. A guy that just doesn't really play all that much. Can you trust him? To me, he feels like someone who profiles out more as a top 120 type, but maybe he clears that bar. So I would put him on the watch list, and everybody else in Denver is a drop. All the Boston big men I put in my drop list with, again, the exception of perhaps Robert Williams, who you can put on your watch list there as well. He only needs 15 minutes, folks. The problem is that there might not be 15 minutes every night. Daniel Trice, Tristan Thompson, and Robert Williams are all fighting for the same minutes now with Kemba back and Tatum back. The other four slots are spoken for. So that's unfortunate. I got a long hold list here, guys, so let's loop back around to that. Streamers right now, Gary Trent Jr. in Portland. Looks like he's going to have to do some scoring here in the short term, but I, you know, I don't trust the rest of his fantasy game. Reggie Jackson's a streamer. While Kawhi, Paul George, and Pat Beverly are out, that might not be very much longer based on some of the weird line movement we're seeing in that Clippers Magic game coming up. Dougie McBuckets is a little bit of a streamer these days. He's been oddly good for Indiana, but not good enough for me to trust him unless I'm trying to run some three balls. And Norman Powell, who might be the greatest streamer in the NBA, as long as any one Raptor starter is out, Powell is a hard in my watch list, we already talked about Jermichael Green and Robert Williams. The other names on the watch list are Cody Zeller, who I don't believe can maintain his current uh, or his most recent minute clip, although we'll see again here. They play a very large front court in Indiana coming up on Friday night. Torian Prince is on my watch list, but I got to think Larry Nance coming back, and then at some point we'll see Kevin Love again, I think. We've heard nothing on that front in ages. That will probably disrupt anything going on at the small forward spot in Cleveland. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 
he's on my watch list. I don't have a roster spot for someone like that who doesn't have proven fantasy game even when the path is fully cleared out. But if Lonzo gets traded or if Bledsoe gets traded and they're like, oh yeah, Walker, you're, you're, you know, you're starting now and we're a seller at the deadline, eventually they're going to cut him loose. And Anthony Edwards, who we mentioned earlier this week, he's very much a watch list guy. You don't need to do anything about that right now. But uh, we, got, we got a glimpse in Golden State of what might happen later this year when Minnesota's like, all right, go. And I don't know if they pull the plug on Russell or Cat or bench anybody. It might just be like, all right, Anthony, you're in with the starters. Have at it. Just go Chuck. You, Beasley, D'Lo, Cat, Chuck away. We're done. And now, the mighty hold list at the end of week five. And it's a big one. So sit back and relax. I'm calling Boogie a hold because that was super frustrating. DeMarcus Cousins played extraordinarily well while Christian Wood was out for three games and just got run right off the floor by the Portland Trailblazers. Couldn't keep up. Couldn't keep up. Six points, four boards, three assists, a steal, and a three-pointer in 11 minutes. That's rough. They went ultra small. They went P.J. Tucker at center for stretches because, honestly... You know, Houston had a decision to make in this one. Do they go Christian Wood, who can just run around Ennis Cantor, or do they go Boogie, who can push Ennis off the block and keep him away from some of those rebounds? Uh, ultimately, the decision was, was certainly to go with Christian Wood, who is the younger, more sprightly center option on this team. I don't, I don't think this is the norm. I, I do think, and we saw, we kept seeing media reports coming out of the Rockets trying to figure out how to help Boogie and Wood coexist in a way that won't get them roasted on defense. And it might have to be against a slightly larger team because when Cantor's not on the floor, and has played 33 minutes of this game, but when he's not on the floor, uh, Harry Giles was the center option, and you know that that's a chase him. That's Portland going to go small, spread the floor, and get Boogie wrapped up in bad spots defensively. And that's pretty hard to cover up, although, you know, they managed to do it with him as the starter. I think maybe you see just a little bit more half-court stuff in that instance. There's just no way he's going to be stuck at 11 minutes. I'm still targeting 20. I don't think 25 is doable. It's not. It's really sort of out of reach. That would mean that Christian Wood only gets 23 center minutes, and that's just not happening. But I could really still see a Wood getting 26, 27 center minutes, giving Boogie the other 20 or 21. It's doable. It just means four, five, six minutes at power forward. But it might not happen every night. Might be some nights where it's eight, and some nights where it's zero, and some nights where it's four. And some nights, like tonight, that was a goose egg. Or not tonight, rather, Thursday night. Pardon, I'm recording this in the middle of the night. It's a little confusing. I'm confused. I'm an old man, forgive me. Kelly Olenek is still on my hold list. He had a rough one again Miami's just exhausted, man. You can, that team can barely get up and down the floor at this point. They have nothing in the tank. Duncan Robinson's shot is gone. He has no legs right now. Tyler Hero was the only player who looked like he had any energy at all in that game against the Clippers. There's just there's nothing, man. And that's why Olenek's got to remain on your team. Because his fantasy stat set is so good. But he's playing 25 minutes and just he's gassed by like the end of the second quarter. You can't find guys with that fantasy profile starting at power forward in the NBA right now. They're not. They don't grow on trees. 
And I get it. He's really hard to hold right now. And I cut him loose in a couple of spots where, you know, I had some of these ads that were actually available. But the upside there is just it's too good to punt on him in every place. You got to it's a spot picking. Jeremy Lamb as a hold. He'll be fine. I had one sort of slightly down ball game, but I am not concerned. Justin Holiday still a hold, just streaming along. Jared Allen is a hold. I know he's getting beat up by the Andre Drummond situation, but that's going to sort itself out at some point. And even in the meantime, just be okay with it. Be okay with the fact that he's a top 100 center until they clear the path out. Darius Garland, while we're talking about the Cavaliers, he's a hold or even a buy low as his minutes now are back up. And so the opportunity coming with it. I'm putting Marvin Bagley in the hold department as well, although it's been a weird run for that dude. You know, his minutes seem to be trending up, and then he had a pretty good ball game going in Orlando, and the minutes trended down. Go figure. Kings are Luke Walden, this mix-and-match stuff, and, you know, I guess it worked in that one, but really it worked because Buddy Heald got hot. Cole Anthony, while we're talking about the Magic, the Kings' last opponent, He's still a hold, as is Terrence Ross, who finally did have a better ball game his last time out. And he'll be fine. You know, he runs in these ridiculous cold and hot spells. You just, you want to dodge the cold ones as best you can. Both centers in Brooklyn are on my hold list. DeAndre Jordan outplayed Jeff Green, but in fewer minutes their last time around. So I want to see how that sorts itself out. Joe Harris is a hold, although that one I don't know if I really needed to say. And then I put Lou Dort on my hold list. Oh, I forgot mentioned one drop. Darius Baisley is on my drop list. Go ahead, take my head off. I don't care. Dort is more of a hold. He's right on the cusp of 12-team value, whereas Baisley's like a good four rounds away. I don't know which direction Dort breaks this year. I have a bad feeling it's the wrong direction, but I'm going to hold him just a little bit longer to find out. I don't have any sell highs so obvious ones for you this week, but I do have one by low and I've been preaching it all week long and it's LaMelo ball because the, he had the, the slow start, the big surge weeks two and three, and now the big slowdown in weeks four and five. And guess what? He's a rookie. This happens to rookie. He's way outside of value right now. He's outside the top 200 over the last week and a half. Brutal, brutal. Not shooting, turning it over, assists, rebounds, everything's down. Playing time is down. He's going to figure it out. It's going to be pretty similar to what you always see from rookie point guards, which is little glimpses. They're starting to sort of see the floor, and then teams change it up. Switch. Everybody moves around. Figure it out again. The second time, they figure it out a little faster. The team switches it up. Defenses switch it up. Third time, figure it out a little faster again. And all of a sudden, they've seen most of the things that teams can do. Oh, right. That's the thing. Okay, now I've got my counter planned. We played a game, also on the Real Big Three with Bogman and Jonas, where I played LaMelo Versus. And I suggested a number of names of players currently ranked near LaMelo Ball, which is right around the edge of the top 100 right now of who they would take. They both wanted Keldon Johnson over LaMelo Ball. And I'm actually on the other side of that one. I don't think Keldon Johnson has upside beyond top 80 this year. He's looked really good, and he's number 86. I don't see how he goes higher than that unless the Spurs blow it up. And right now, 
they're playing just well enough not to. Where's San Antonio in your rankings right now? I'm pretty sure they're doing fine. They're 10-8. and 8. Yeah, they're right in the middle of the pack in the Western Conference. They're doing fine. They're not blowing it up. This, this is who he is. So someone like a Keldon Johnson, I would absolutely lean LaMelo Ball. Devontae Graham, his teammate, I'd lean LaMelo Ball. Forget who's what other. Alec Burks, I think we all actually lean LaMelo on that one. Some of the other names. Jeremy Lamb, I lean LaMelo Ball. So take some of these guys. After Lamb has the next big ball game or Keldon has a big ball game, go try to get LaMelo Ball. Get those rebounds, those assists, those steals. Hope that he doesn't ruin you his percentages because he could but boy when he gets it going you're gonna be riding on easy street his brother needs to get healthy he just started to look a little bit better so buy on Lamelo ball he can be had for so much less than he could after that triple double after that triple double you wouldn't have been able to get him for a top 60 guy now you kidding you propose the top 60 level guy for LaMelo Ball, people would laugh. The trade might get vetoed thinking you're insane. Like, I don't think that you could have gotten LaMelo Ball for, I don't know, Malik Beasley before. Now people would laugh at you. Be like, why are you giving away this number 67 guy, Evan Fournier? I don't know that I would actually at this point. I think you can have him for cheaper. That's why I said Jeremy Lamb. That's why I said... Whatever the hell I was talking about. Keldon Johnson. Joe Harris. Try it out. See what happens. You'll be happy by the end of the year. You might not be happy the rest of this month and even part of February, but you'll be happy by the end of the year. That's how these buy-lows work. It, it's a, it, if you get it the, right, the day right before they bust out, it's the world's greatest trade, but it rarely works out that way. A reminder again here in the middle of the show before we preview the weekend to please drop a five-star review on the podcast. It would mean the world to me. And if you're watching this on YouTube, which I guess it does get ported over there, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast no matter where you're listening to the show. If it's on YouTube, you can subscribe to the Hoopball channel. And do follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or Google search Dan from Hoopball. Dan from Hoopball. Twitter feed is probably the third option there. We're going to jump over betting for the most part because this is really a fantasy-focused Friday show. So let's talk about every team's next game coming up starting with tonight, Friday night. And when you guys are listening to this over the weekend, you might be able to look back on some of these games and see if the things we're talking about did or did not happen. Indiana at Charlotte. I mean, this is it. Like, if you don't buy LaMelo Ball before this game starts, this could be the one where he wakes back up. If he stinks again, maybe his price goes down a tiny bit, but I think you're at that nadir. By the way, that's the bottom point. Meaning, it almost doesn't matter how much worse he gets. I don't know this price is going to go any lower than it is right now, which is like, you can get him for a top 85 level guy. Indiana, you're mostly watching Jeremy Lamb's minutes. That's about it. Charlotte, you're also watching Cody Zeller. So this is one you are going to want to check in on if you have time on Friday night. Peep the final score there. Atlanta, Washington, Gallo's minutes. Reddish, his role. Would have been hard to say Reddish's role. Feels like you're talking about vegetables. 
Uh, Washington, they're actually expecting to get a few of their guys back. It's going to be a disjointed, ugly mess. This for Atlanta is a huge sandwich game. And I think the line reflects it. The Hawks are only a four and a half point favorite in Washington. And I mean, is anyone going to bet the Wizards in this game? You'd have to be nuts, right? You'd have to be completely bat bleep crazy to bet the Wizards catching less, catching basically a two possession game. You got to be an insane person. But Atlanta's coming off a game with Brooklyn. They've got the Lakers coming up. So maybe not so insane after all. I don't know that I like the Wizards getting people back because it is going to sort of gum up the works a little bit. Um, But they also desperately need people. And they've been in the media for kind of the wrong reasons here. So... um, is this the game where the Hawks kind of look ahead? Or, frankly, are the Hawks just playing a little bit better right now? And that's a great big fear. They could win this game by 35, and we feel pretty damn stupid for betting on one of the worst teams in the NBA. Whoops. Anyway, we're talking fantasy sports here, so let's not get too sidetracked. Hawks side, Reddish, Gallo, Wizard side, you're just watching to see who's back, basically. Milwaukee, nothing. Pelicans, Lonzo's status. If he's out, you can check out Nikhil Alexander-Walker. N-A-W. Nah. Nah. Nolens. I'm getting a podcast one beer deep today. That's why things have really gone off the rails. Cleveland. Larry Nance Jr.'s status, and then what that means for guys like Torian Prince and Allen and Drummond and Okoro. But really, Prince. What does it mean for Prince. On the Knicks side, we've seen a little bit more Nerlens Noel lately. Still not quite enough, but the defensive stats are starting to catch up. And he probably belongs on fantasy teams with the way he's piling up steals and blocks lately. And he's starting, I think, to, to find himself with this uh, Knickerbocker team. This is the first game back home for the Knicks, by the way, so this could be a little bit of a weird one. But uh, Alec Burks, also someone to watch. Not really worried about him necessarily, I just... Want to see him kind of get back into a rhythm. Sacramento, second game on their road trip, looked really good in Orlando. They now take on Tampa, so a very short trip. That was a lot easier for them here. Toronto laying five and a half. I don't know how you trust the Raptors these days. Although they did beat Sacramento by a ton. We'll see if everybody's in. Um, OG was out. I think he's questionable, as we saw for this game on Friday. Sacramento, you're watching Marvin Bagley, and that's really it. Philly, nothing. Minnesota, Ricky Rubio, he's been gross so far this year. D'Angelo Russell, whether or not he's playing. Jared Vanderbilt, he's looked really fun lately. Reasons to watch the Wolves, because they are tough to watch otherwise. But there are some fantasy uh, reasons to tune in on that team. Brooklyn, center battle. Joe Harris's battle against you know, not having any shots. <laughs> Harris versus usage. Oklahoma City, big Al Horford came back with a big Al bang. He looked great in that first game back. It's a weird one, by the way. Brooklyn laying a crap ton on the road. This is a very strange spot for the Thunder. Uh, because they're coming back off a really a pretty nice five-game road trip, actually. A pretty nice five-game road trip. They did well. Beat a couple teams, lost to the Clippers twice, and lost to the Nuggets. That's all right. I don't know. It's going to be a weird one. 
Boca's starting to look a little bit better, largely on offense, though. I mean, they'll they'll pile up the buckets. Can they stop anyone? They really haven't yet. Thunderside. I think, I mean, George Hill sounds like he's still out, so Theo Maladone should get another start. And they're fighters, man. That team's a bunch of fighters. They're fun. Clippers in Orlando. Uh, this game, I believe, opened with Orlando as a four-point favorite, and now it's a pick em. So, uh, presumably, someone's coming back for the Clips. I just, I haven't seen anything here in the middle of the night. So somebody knows something that I don't know, and that's fine. I'm willing to venture a guess that a big piece for the Clippers is set to return for this ballgame and, you know, whatever. Orlando side, can Terrence Ross keep it going now against a much better team in the Clippers? Cole Anthony, permanent watch. See if you ever can kind of lock up a spot worth using on your fantasy team or lock up the opposite, lock up a drop. So far, neither. Denver in San Antonio, finishing up their road trip. Nuggets are 4-0 on their five-game trip so far. Spurs just coming off beating Boston. Fantasy-wise, I guess we're putting Jermichael Green on the watch list at this point because he's looked pretty good. Dallas is in Utah. Uh, sounds like the uh, Donovan Mitchell. Sorry, forgot the name for a second. Donovan Mitchell is questionable for the Jazz. He's the reason we don't have a, fan, a, a betting line on this game. Dallas side, they got all their guys except Maxi Kleba back in the last one. That was the get their wind game back. Now this is the can they get their win game back. Mavericks desperately need to catch a victory at some point along the way because they have not been getting many. Mavs 8-10 on the year. They've lost three in a row. But they are, for the second year in a row, better on the road than they are at home. Jazz have won 10 games in a row. They're the best team in the NBA right now. How about that? 14-4. and four. 79% win percentage. Let's turn the page to Saturday. Still got 10 more teams we want to cover. Portland. We talked about them quite a bit in our weekend review segment, but I do think Carmelo Anthony is going to have a really good game in Chicago. The Bulls, uh, with Wendell Carter Jr. out for four weeks. I don't know if we talked about that. That's a bad contusion. He's out for a month. And Thad Young's actually been pretty good over the last couple of weeks. He has missed every free throw he's taken, I think, in the month of January almost. But he's rebounding. He's getting steals. So, you know, he fits a profile. Punt free throws, punt three kind of thing. He's been, frankly, he's been close to usable fantasy value. I don't... Uh, I, I You guys know how much I love Thad Young, but I really do balk at the idea of tossing him out there every game and expecting the best. Even over the last week, where he's looked pretty good, 10 points, 6 boards, 6 assists, 1.7 steals on 63% shooting. He's still just barely outside the top 100, thanks to his 0% free throw shooting, which obviously will come back. Um, but, you know, he hasn't made a free throw since January 18th. That's not good. He's carved out a nice little role on this team, though. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Yeah, you know what? Go ahead and put that young on your streamer list right now. He's looked pretty good, and there's there's a pathway to, I don't know, call it 24-ish minutes, which didn't used to be enough for Thad, but he's actually kind of facilitating on this Bulls team. 
and he's just picking on opposing second units, so that works out in his favor. But uh, you, the three-pointer, the lack of three-pointers is a bit upsetting. And also realize that when Wendell Carter Jr. comes back, that's going to squeeze him. They're not going to need as many minutes at a power forward spot as Larry Markinen slides down. So understand what you're getting out of Thad. But we'll keep watching him there. Uh, Otto Porter's been able to do enough in his more limited minutes. They want to keep him healthy, so they're trying to keep him locked in around that 24-minute mark. And instead of, you know, I was hoping that he could get up around 27, 28, because that's a top 70-ish level. He's probably more like top 100 in 24, 25 minutes a game. Disappointing, yes, but not a total loss. He's still a guy that should be on fantasy rosters. We already talked about Milwaukee uh, and Charlotte. Houston, we talked about a bit in our weekend review, but it's really about trying to figure out what big men, how they coexist. Pelicans, we talked about. Um, I think because they're playing on Friday. Yeah, Sacramento, Miami. They may get Butler back for this, and Goran Dragic, frankly, for this game on Saturday. So that could be a pretty weird one. I, I might fade Miami one more time with all the guys coming back just because it's going to be weird. They're going to work themselves all back in, but they don't have conditioning under their belt yet. Lakers are in Boston on Saturday night. That should be a fun one. Fantasy-wise, you're just watching the Boston Center. Basketball-wise, you're going to watch a grind-it-out, drag-em-out, beat-em-up basketball game. That should be great. Memphis in San Antonio. They're supposed to play a game. The Grizzlies haven't played in almost two weeks probably want to fade them there that's a long layoff without practicing anyway we'll cross that bridge when we get it that's a that's a that's a betting discussion fantasy wise there's very little actually to monitor in that ball game unless jaron jackson came back phoenix is in dallas talked about dallas already i don't think we talked about the suns i believe devin booker is expecting to come back for this game so very little fantasy wise in that one and uh, Detroit and Golden State is the late one. Not much fantasy-wise there. I think we have a pretty good bead on the Pistons these days, and the Warriors are a zero-question-mark team. Is there anyone on Sunday that doesn't go the previous two days? I don't believe so. Yeah, no, we're all set. Okay, so that's your weekend preview, and I think that actually puts a pin in things here. So one more time, for good measure, please do drop a five-star review on the podcast. If you've been enjoying it, if you've been enjoying it, um, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris. And for the last time this week, if you're into sports betting and you want to be part of our growing sports betting contributor team, hit me up on Twitter or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that email address is teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. A week done. We'll turn it all around and do it again. Week six on the horizon. We'll break it down Monday, reverse chronological lightning round. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Love you guys. We'll talk to you Monday. This has been a hoop ball presentation.